Have you ever wondered why God chose you for a saving grace? The answer doesn't address your worthiness, but it does His. God chose you so you might be a symbol of His saving power. If He could save you, He could save anyone. Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work around the world to make Christ known among the nations, go to traincpe.org. Or to discover more about our radio ministry or our fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Our lesson today is from 2 Kings chapter 7. It's the story of God's miraculous delivery of the nation of Israel from a famine made worse by an invading army. And it is a story of who God picked to be the ambassadors of this salvation. Note, God picked dying lepers to save first and then to proclaim that salvation to others under his judgment. Well, these four lepers are living just outside the city gate. We can kind of imagine that they're the walls constructed of the city and just outside the gate where the guards will be marching back and forth. Underneath the wall, in the shadow of the wall, they've built shanties for themselves and they're living there and they've lived there for some time. And during that time and season when things are going fairly well in Samaria, as the day might fall, someone from above, maybe one of these guards, lowers down a basket full of food to feed them because nobody wants to come in contact with these lepers but they're living off of the provision and the charity that's coming down from that city and from the riches that come into the city at the end of the day as farmers at the end of the day bring in something of their harvest and people come out in exchange for it and purchase what they need and these poor beggars are provided some provision out of that time of abundance that's taking place. These are individuals who have been looked upon with pity, but now something has changed. The Syrians have laid siege to the city. Food is no longer coming into it. It's becoming so scarce that not very many of the horses that were in the city at the beginning are even alive anymore. They might think that there's five or more, not much more than that, because the people are eating them to live. And, and by the way, I just spoke last week to a good friend of mine in Venezuela that I've worked with for a number of occasions. And she told me that her husband, her husband, by the way, is a veterinarian who his job was taking care of two or three farms that raised jumping horses in the nation. So among some of the wealthiest people in the nation, and he cared for all their horses. And of course, he's out of that job now because people are so poor. She said, it's very sad, but they've slaughtered these horses. They've come onto the grounds. They've captured the horses. They've slaughtered them all. These are horses that are, she said, $100,000 and more for each one of them. And they've all been eaten for food because of the poverty of these people and the the imposed famine that socialism has brought upon Venezuela. Well, here we are in Samaria. Something even worse than that is taking place. And those who are the poorest are not even receiving the benefits they once received. And so food is no longer being lowered down the wall to these four lepers. In fact, they've been given up for dead. And they're desperate and they're dying. And in their condition, a cold logic begins to set in upon them. God is judging the nation And in his judgment, he is limiting their options, which is what always happens when God brings you under judgment. He limits your options. They have no hope, and there's nowhere to go except for places of certain death. These leopards realize that the slimmest of chance lies before them if they'll go out to the strong ones who have surrounded the city, the Syrians, and there they will go into the presence of those who have actually intensified the judgment that Israel is facing at this time. And it's just possible that these individuals, if they go out to them, might let them live. And so, anticipating death, 
They make their way out with the slimmest of hope that they might find mercy and grace in the Syrians. Maybe a little food that would be tossed their way. Maybe passage behind the enemy lines so that they might forage for themselves beyond this point of judgment. But when they come to the camp, as twilight is set in, they don't see any sentinels anywhere. And as they draw a little later, they, they see the animals tied outside the tents, but they hear the sound of no voices in, in this active camp that's been going on for some period of time. They make their way to the first tent and they open up the doorway or the flap into that tent and they're expecting at this moment to be thrust through with spears or maybe have a sword pierce them and to be jumped upon. But instead when they come to the tent, they see food that's there been prepared to eat and it's warm and it's been left in an instant. Because the Syrians have heard this miraculous sound of a great army advancing upon them that God has divinely allowed them to hear and they fled in terror and panic. These lepers quickly set themselves in upon the food in that tent and they devour it and they drink themselves the full and then as they're eating they look around and they see evidence of the loot that this army has collected along the way. Gold chains, silver chains, clothes and apparel and they begin to, like children, collect all they can get. They're so excited. Have, have you ever discovered something and it, you're so excited you never knew it was there and you just can't, you just start stuffing your pockets with it? When I was a little boy going to camp, there was a Pepsi machine that broke and you didn't have to put any money into it but you couldn't stop it from going and we were running around getting every cup we could find. Someone got a bucket and we were pouring into the bucket. We got all the Pepsi we wanted. It was like crazy. Someone had the idea of sharing it with somebody else and we said, no, we don't want to share it with these, these fellows are like children, giddy, gathering all this treasure. They go and they bury it in the ground which by the way was the bank in that day and age thinking they would go back and count it up later. And then they went on to another tent to begin pillaging it as well. And in the middle of pillaging that tent, they come to their senses and realize that this great event has to be shared with those who are remaining and dying back in the city of Samaria. We're not doing what is right. This is a day of good news. So this is the story we're going to look at this morning one last time. And we're going to learn some various lessons. And here's the lesson we're going to learn above everything else. You might write it down. It's this. It is... Those who have come out from under judgment. It is those who have come out from under judgment and found the feast of grace who must carry back the message of good news to those who are still under judgment. It's those who have come out from under judgment and found the feast of grace who must carry back the message of good news to those who are still under judgment. I want to look at the story that we've just considered. I want us to see a parallel between the reality, observe what were happening in the lives of these lepers, and what's happened in the life of anyone who's found salvation through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for their sins on the cross. And so let's just begin. And first, let's remember that line. It is those who have come out from under judgment. Here's the first point. We were once under judgment, as all people are. At the end of John chapter 3, what did we talk about last week? It says that those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe in him are condemned already. That is, they're already under judgment. They're just continuing the judgment that was upon them. Jesus said, I've not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. He didn't have to come to condemn the world because the world was already under judgment. It was under God's sentence. And he'd come to deliver them from that sentence, and that's the condition we were in when the gospel came to us. Observe something here. To the Jewish mind... There is nobody who is more of a walking illustration of God's judgment than a leper. They were a walking death. 
a demonstration of God's judgment upon them and the defilement of sin that has been brought upon their own lives manifested on their very bodies in the open wounds and sores that they bore. And yet it's to these lepers who are an open, conscious, walking expression of death. These men of all men knew they were under some hand of judgment from God. It was to these individuals that God gives the good news of salvation and the grace of a feast to be had. These lepers, I'm saying, understood their condition. Possibly because they had been confronted with this dreadful disease and had to somehow figure out how to live in the midst of this disease, they, of all the people of Samaria at that time, were capable of being the most honest and realistic about their situation. And they looked at it with unadorned eyes, and they knew They knew the dire nature of their condition. Let me relate that to our lives. The Christian is a person who has come out from judgment into undeserved, unearned grace. We've come out from a walking death into life everlasting. And it's not simply that we didn't deserve God's grace and salvation. It's that we fully deserved the onslaught of his full outpoured judgment and wrath against us. We were under his judgment, walking in the leprosy of sin and defilement. But in the moment that we were brought to comprehend that that was the case, in the moment that we were awakened to see that this is upon us and this is what we deserve, in that moment, we found our Savior and he found us and we lepers came into a feast. We're going to speak about that feast in just a moment, but let's look at another parallel here. Observe that these lepers had already felt or were already at this moment feeling the despair of judgment because of the unique sickness that was theirs, but now this feeling has ramped up to its highest level possible. These are individuals who one way or another have found an ability to survive and get by with all of their limitations, but now in the midst of all that they are already experiencing, all that they are already identified as before all the people of Israel, now the charity and the provisions that once provided for them and they relied upon in order to live have dried up completely, and so in this moment, you can understand that they feel acutely, intensely, their dire position and the judgment that's upon them. It's the person who feels judgment upon them who is most likely going to seek salvation from it. It's the person who feels and senses the judgment of God upon them that will most likely be the one to cry out, men and brethren, what must we do? It's the individual who recognizes and fears the hand of a powerful God set against them that will come out and cry out, what must I do to be saved? Oftentimes, we tell the story in the book of Acts in which Paul and Silas are put in the prison of the Philippian jailer and they're singing songs of worship after they've been beaten. They're still rejoicing in some wonderful feast that God has brought to their hearts and they're rejoicing in this place and They're put in the middle of this prison, and as they're rejoicing, in the middle of the night, a huge, massive earthquake comes that causes the outer walls of that prison to collapse and the doors to spring open, and all the other prisoners at this time, if they're thinking properly, you would think would rush out and flee to safety and away from their imprisonment, but instead they rush into the middle of of this place to be with Paul and Silas because there was the sound of security, and that was the sound of rejoicing and praise. And the Philippian jailer comes out and discovers that none of them have left. He was ready to kill himself, thinking that he had lost all of his prisoners. But he discovers, he's told by Paul and Silas, don't kill yourself, stay the sword in your hand, because none of us have escaped. 
They've all come to this inner cell and we're secure here. And he comes into their presence and he falls down before them. And he says, what must I do to be saved? Now, he wasn't asking to be saved from the earthquake that had already taken place. He wasn't asking to be saved from the wrath of the Roman authorities because he's let his prisoners escape because none of them had escaped. But he's desperate to be saved. What from? Well, in that moment of power, and in that expression of God's saving power as well, he recognized his sin, and he recognized his just judgment, and he wanted to be saved from that sin and from that judgment, and so it is for us. God, in turning a person to himself for salvation, awakens the person to their true condition of condemnation. Jesus put it another way when he said to the Pharisees who were so prideful and so self-satisfied, it's not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. It's the person who realizes they're sick that seeks a deliverance and a help. Here's another thing to observe. These lepers, as we said, were survivors. They had, in the past, found ways by hook or by crook to keep alive so that they could sustain their normal lives and to keep their lives going. And yet now, even that, all of the different stratagems they had used had come to an end and they're out of options. They realize that they can't save themselves anymore. There's no strategy that they can rely upon. There's none of their wits that they can do to somehow save themselves. They realize that the very people that they'd gone to in the past to help them and deliver them are not available to help them and deliver them at all. In other words, what they've discovered is when you're under judgment, you can't get help from another person who's under judgment to save yourself from that judgment. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.